Hey, what's going on? It's John D. Contradiction, and I'm coming at you with a dope little side piece. Gonna have a nice talk with Phil of Not Your Man's Origins, DJ Philly C, also of his own podcast, Hipster and Homeboy. And we're also gonna be speaking with Jen Myers of Unprovoked Tangents, which is also another dope podcast. We're gonna actually talk about the current events that's going on. If you don't know what's going on, then you clearly aren't awake but we're also going to talk about it from our standpoints and just different point of views that are starting to come to the light because of social media, the internet, and the god-awful news. All right. So what's up, guys? Yo, yo. Sir and lady, how y'all doing? (laughs) What's going on, sir? In in hipster and homeboy tradition, drinks up. (laughs) Alkaline water up. Yes. Ginger ale up. <laughs> so this week we are going to be talking about, or we're talking about. I mean, we've been talking. You know, we've been talking, we've talking for years about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've, been about years. we've been living this. So Can I'm you believe the, that like our grandparents probably had the same conversation, like just not recorded, <laughs> just not recorded, right? Yeah. They probably yeah. were all sitting at a diner, like, oh, here it goes again, you know, <laughs> which so, is crazy. Why don't we do this? Um, um, I'm DJ Philly C. I'm one half of the Hipster and Homeboy podcast. Jen, go ahead. I'm Jennifer Myers, one half of Unprovoked Tangents. I'm John D. Contradiction, president of Not Your Mans. There you go. So um, I'm the glue that holds these two together. Um, I'm going to say that I know both of these people. These both, both of these people are really close to me. Um, and this past two weeks has been tumultuous to say the least and you know we kind of just felt that it was necessary to discuss it to release to to put some words out there into the ethos and then maybe you know somebody will hear them and understand um the 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 struggle, the frustration, the plight, the oppression, whatever it is that you want to use to describe what it is that uh, black people are feeling. Mm. Yeah, I think overall, I mean, um, and I was saying this earlier in a video that I recorded, I feel like I'm just feeling all types of emotions hitting at one time. Uh, it's, It's anger, it's grief, it's sadness, it's slight depression it also you know a little bit of helplessness too because as a black person i feel like i haven't even been doing my proper job to educate myself Hmm. on what's happening and what has been happening historically um not to say that i don't get it but i feel like i should even be doing my homework to educate myself better um and it's funny because I think like Amanda Seals was like jumping on a trampoline earlier. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I saw that video and it was so funny because, you know, a lot of people, especially white people are coming to like their black resources and saying, what can I do? What resources yeah. can I go to? What books should I read? What documentaries should I watch? And I'm yeah. like, I am, I wish, first of all, number one, I too need to watch those documentaries. I too mm-hmm. need to read those books. I too need to do my own homework. But also we have a thing called Google 
is an awesome engine. It's a search engine that's been around for many, many years. Um, give, just it, give or take, though, some stuff, you know. Yeah, you know take some I mean? stuff with a grain of salt. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for me, like, I, I, I was privileged in the in in the fact that I have I'm the youngest of eight siblings. So my oh, oldest man. my older brothers and sisters are 13, 14, 15 years older than me. Yeah. So when I was like in elementary school, they were able to be there to be like, you know, this is this, this is that, black is black, black is white, mm. white is white, you know, they were able to kind of like paint a picture for me or at the very least um, give me an idea of what I was looking at going into the world. You know what I'm saying? But we're all at different levels or different stages. Like what I, I used to fault other black people for not knowing what I know, not realizing that, not realizing the privilege I had to know what I know. Mm, see, that's, that's, that's a really, that's a, like a super interesting like concept because like, if I look back on the way that like I grew up and how, I went through life, it's, it's almost like the complete opposite. Like, yeah, I was the youngest of three siblings, but you know, I kind of dove in head first where I was just experiencing things heads on, head on. And I had no one to explain it to me. And I, and I, and I could admit it. I have no, you know, no shame in admitting it. Like I grew up somewhat lost. Like I always had like a pretty decent moral compass, but once I was out of high school and on my own, it was really, there was a lot of self-hatred. There was a lot of you know what I'm saying? There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of like me rejecting and just a lot of me not understanding like what I was actually going through and what I was declining from, you know, like that's why, you know, we, you know, before we started into this, you know, we talked about like, Oh, you dipped into the snow bunnies thing. Like there was a reason for that. Like once I got out of high school, I was like, man, I'm done with black girls because of this, that, and the fifth. And like, I, you know, I was just like, I didn't realize where I was coming from with that. Like no one told me to do that. Absolutely. You know what I'm no, saying? No I, one told me to that. be like that. And I had this I, mentality, this lost I mentality, you know? I, I don't know if I speak for all of us, but I feel like, you know, just coming up on Long Island, mm -hmm. all of us probably had at the very least the, you know, that space where we're, you know, at least dabbling in the interracial dating world. Right, right. Well, yeah. currently, funny enough, and this is kind of a tangent, but it goes along with yeah, like I'm you know, I'm virtually dating, like I'm single, I'm virtually dating, right? And um, like I match with a white guy now. I, I date in and out of my race. My last um boyfriend was black, um, I remember that. nigga. <laughs> if he, yeah he was definitely he was definitely inspiration for my situationship episode but um but uh not to not to digress but i i matched with the guy who lives in long island who's white and i literally said to myself like this was like two weeks ago and we finally like had you know we're going back and forth over text we finally did like the whole little virtual date thing and i was nice. like all right cute right and He's very spiritual, so I'm kind of like, all right, how do I approach this conversation? Because I need to know if he feels what happened is right, or I need to know where he's swaying in this whole con in this whole situation. I need to know because, mm -hmm. in my opinion, if he's like, I'm for the cops, I'm like, I'm out. 
Audi 5000. Like, we don't need to talk anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or if he's like, well, I can see both sides. I'm out too. Like, no, like, this yeah. is not, this is not a both sides situation. And he was very like gun ho about saying like, no, this is wrong. I'm, I'm like behind it. I'm like, I need to do this and I'm doing that. And I was like, I stood back and I was like, go ahead, white boy. <laughs> go off. Go off. Go ahead. Yeah. You put up, you put up that white fist. You go ahead. Look mm-hmm. at you. Look at you standing in that. I like that. But yeah, be an ally. Be an ally, you know, That's but great. I definitely approach the situation. I'm like, how do I dip my toe into it on a first date? And it's like, what what side are you on on the racial inequality? <laughs> and you're like, I just want to talk about what's your favorite drink and what do you like to do on the weekends. But yeah, we can go into that. But I'm I had to ask that question too. Like, hey, what what do you know about systems in place to destroy my people? Like, how do you get into that immediately? You know, that's a yeah, weird question exactly. to even start with. Yeah, like, how's your day? Oh, and you know, he's super. He's like super white. Like, he works on a farm. You know, he's super white. Like, you know, Jesus, where do you find these guys? Wait, he works on a farm. Is he out here? Tell him what's good with some veggies, man. I'm vegan out Yo, here. I'm trying to eat. For real, which which farmer's market is he selling at? <laughs> I know, right? Like he's like, he's like vegan. He's like an environmentalist. Like he is like all the way, like all the way liberal. Um, but yeah, and it, I was kind of like happy, but also I was kind of like, I'm like, ooh, this can go one way or can go the other way in this yeah. conversation, real quick. Um, but I feel like even in reverse, white people when they reach out to me, they're like, I don't know what to say. Mm. The wrong thing. Yeah, how do I, yeah, like, they're probably like, how do I come off not fetishizing? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's probably a lot of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I went to private school. I know Jen went to private school. Well, we Uh, we have a whole, and I know, I know you grew up on Long Island, um, Johnny. Yeah, I went to public school. I went to Salonica. It was rough. So, so you went to (laughs) private school. No, 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 no. I went, no, I went to public. It was, this school Sawanica? was monstrous. Yeah, Sawanica you was, Sawanica? Sawanica so, so you was were, rough. So it's, it's the same as what we, so your experience in high school was the same experience for us in high school. I don't that's, know, that's, man. Sawanica was kind of like, it was, we didn't have middle school where I was from. It was just 7th no, grade that. to 12th, and it was like, we had everyone that got kicked out of like the neighbor schools. So we had like the, the hood kids, the school shooter type kids. We had it all. So it was very split oh, okay. up. Like had, every like, floor had, had section. Table nine. You had the table nine kids. Like, oh the, you, table yeah. Nine. But everywhere was like that. Like every, every section of lockers had a different group. Like there was, there was even like a huge, and all the people who listened to this, who were from Swanica, there was even like a huge race war. It was like the blacks versus Italians type thing that happened where two different sides of streets were filled with kids. You know, it was very, very all over the place. Like everyone was there. It was like weirdos on one end. You know, we had Asian kids, we had everyone. Like it was, it was a mess. (laughs) Swanica was a mess. So the reason I bring that up, because we're all about the same age. I think Johnny, you're the youngest one out of all of us. Uh, Good for you. Um, Me and Jen are the same age. Um, I'm not going to put Jen's age out there. Never never reveal a woman's age. Yeah, I'm 34 though. I'm I'm th- I stand proud of my 34 years. Oh, there you I'm, go. I'm 34, though. I'm, I'm not going to put Jen's age out there, but we're the same age. I'm 34, though. <laughs> I, I, I am 34, and I'll probably be 34 for the next six years. So, you know. See, you you see what I'm saying? There you, you, know, go. you know how many cousins I got that's still 25? <laughs> They've been 25 for the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. There you go. So, so we, we all have uh, a couple of things that, like, are similar in the sense that we grew up on Long Island, 
right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a sense of entitlement that we have. We don't realize we have until we go somewhere else, right? Or, or we see some other uh, other shit. And then there's also the the West Indian aspect because we all have some rest, West Indian in us. Um, I know me and Johnny probably could speak to that a little bit more uh, than Jen could, but like talk about that like i grew up being haitian knowing that i'm haitian both my parents are haitian mm-hmm. everybody around my cousins that live next door are haitian my aunt lives down the streets haitian my aunt two blocks over is haitian my mom's family friend down the blocks haitian like, i can't get away with shit in uniondale because <laughs> i'm haitian right <laughs> and everybody's haitian i'm 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 an altar server at the church and everybody at the church knows I'm Haitian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I can't well, get away with anything. If you didn't know I'm Haitian, like, that should be the shirt. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a shirt eventually. So, <laughs> just in so, case. Just in case. You, just in case you ain't know, I'm, I'm Haitian. Haitian. Fact. So, uh, so like, that's that was my growing up, right? And I'm, I'm going through this whole thing, this whole when I say this thing, this racial existence as I'm Haitian, right? And there's this little bit of a uh, of a push and pull that you get growing up West Indian where you're black, but you're not that black. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You know what I'm oh, talking about? Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking so, about. So, like, growing up when I was a kid, it was like I, like, I knew I was different. Like, I was, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was in the first grade, I had some kids stand up in the middle of class, point out three or four other black kids plus me to say white man rules the world. That was in the first grade. Oh. So so I've been racially aware since kindergarten and then kindergarten just and then first grade just reaffirmed that for me. All right. So yeah. so I I know where I'm at, but at the same time, growing up Haitian, growing up West Indian there's this little bit of a you're black but you're not black like that oh, you know yeah. what i'm saying oh man i could hear i can hear my mom now like just yelling at me like oh you're not like these niggas you know what i'm saying i'm like mom you know what i'm saying like whoa you know what i'm saying but there was a difference it wasn't like uh it wasn't like chris rock you know how he joked about like oh there's niggas and then there's niggas you know what i'm saying this was yeah. what my mom believed yeah i mean you know like I mean? So my, mom gave me, my mom gave me a very like white name you know like jennifer nicole myers you know so it's Mm. funny like when i apply to jobs and then when i show up in person for that interview (laughs) i think think johnny's the only one that has to deal with that like like like, like when when, when i go to interviews i get the same response every time like like i i remember when i applied to one spot i'm not gonna (laughs) blow them up but like the, the 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 secretary came out. She said, Philip Charles. She looked at me. I, I, waved, I, rose, I raised my hand. She looked at me. She said, no, I said, Philip Charles. Are you sure? <laughs> See, my I name was, is extremely French. So like, no one I knows. I was like, yes. Think. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Johnny's the only one that yeah, I don't get like, that. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But like, Jen, at least me and Jen probably deal with it the most every time we go somewhere. And it's just kind of like, you know, uh <laughs> philip charles so like yeah that that's me oh yeah my no, discrimination no, no, no. came no, no. from being philip a charles 
<laughs> mine's came from being like a typical Haitian name, like Gene, you know, like people call me Gene and that would piss me off. So it was like, yeah, that no, was I, my I, I dig that too. I dig that too. <laughs> it's wild. But yeah, man, it's, it's very, but that's a real, that's a real thing that our parents have, you know, that's that, that's like, that's what our parents, that's what they're, they, they're here with. You know, my mom giving me this super French strong name was a bit of like pride, but, Absolutely. you know, and it, it, like my grandma too, like my grandma was super, gotta work, gotta work, gotta work, gotta work, gotta work. Everything was, you gotta work hard and that's pretty much it. So you can be okay. And then there was definitely like a separation or a line drawn in the sand between you and mm-hmm. the kid at the end of the block that was just black American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? For me, like, I remember, I remember specifically when I became black American because I remember being the Haitian kid that went to private school, right? Mm. But at but at the public library. And something happened at the library. I don't even know what happened, but they were evacuating Unidale Public Library here in Long Island. And we were evacuating, and then each person that came out, the police were there, and they had mad cops. There was like nine or ten cruisers on Unidale Avenue. And I remember, like, there was, like, two cops per cruiser, and each cop was, like, just checking a person. And the dude, one of the dudes grabbed me. And then one of the cops grabbed me, and then another cop looked at me and yelled at the other cop. He's like, no, let him go. He's one of the good ones. Mm. Mm. And the only reason he said that is because I was still in my uniform. That's crazy. From Kellenberg. And he recognized the uniform. I don't know for what. Maybe he had a cousin or a brother or a kid or whatever but he knew it was in that school. But he knew that the uniform or the fact that I was wearing a blazer, you know, meant that I went to private school. So I wasn't one of these degenerates that went to public school. Not to say that the kids that went to public school were degenerates, but obviously in the eyes of, of Nassau County PD, yeah, the kids that went to public school were degenerates. Yeah. Even though I know for a fact that there were plenty of degenerates that went to Kellenberg. <laughs> but I mean, that, 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 that kind of is like a good representation of the type of things that people don't realize it's, it's as simple as like stereotypes or stigmas like, Oh my God, public school kids are black are bad. That is something that is similar to how things are held over black people's heads. You know, that's like an easy way to explain it to someone. It's like, Hey, you ever hear of any stereotypes you ever hear? Even like when someone talks to me about police officers, you know, and they're like, Oh, police aren't all bad. I'm like, well, what's the, what's the stereotype of, of a police officer. Oh, you, you become a cop when you're a bully in school and you're not doing good. You know what I'm saying? And that's a very simple way to kind of like graph it to someone. Cause it's like, Hey, that stereotype didn't just, it wasn't just a popular joke. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it stemmed from somewhere. Like we all seen it, we all know it. So that's what it's reality. You know what I'm saying? You can't really deny it. Right. And I think it's even deeper than that because you see them like exercising and throwing around their weight. Like you can tell there was some deep trauma with these, with these yeah. bad seeds, right? Where yeah. they're like, oh, I was treated like shit. So I'm going to treat everybody like shit and I'm going to take it out 
on different races. Like I, yeah. I was joking the other, I was laughing hysterically because there was a video that went viral, I think like two days ago, where it was these three white cops who basically were harassing a black man because they were like, oh, you don't like Jake. You don't like that guy, Jake. And then he, they full on like arrest him. Little did they know that the black man was an FBI agent. Mm. <laughs> and they all were like, oh shit let me uncuff him immediately and the fbi agent was like let me get your cards because yeah it's a wrap it's a wrap for you because if you as an fbi agent if you fuck with an fbi agent nypd you're done like you're yeah. you're done oh yeah that's <laughs> pulling rank at, at its finest absolutely that's pulling that's pulling government rank yeah <laughs> there you go you can't really you can't really argue that but yeah, yeah. it's 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 a very like even that though that the even the the separation of like the government and like all that type of separation, even like those with like military and stuff like that, like why people don't understand, like why are police even, they have military grade weapons. They have like, you know what I'm saying? Like they have such a, like a way more lenient system and that's what people are actually fighting for or should be fighting for is how do we get this system erased or changed? So, so this is, this is a good place to be at. Let me ask you, mm-hmm. both of you, like, given given the uh, situations that we've seen mm-hmm. from whoever it may be, it's because George Floyd is just the now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the tip just of the iceberg. What, it's the tipping point. It, it's it's the one that we it's the one that we're talking about. That everybody's talking about now but the reality is that it's there it's it's been going on for uh visually it's been going on for 10 years right mm-hmm. yeah so why don't we go and talk about what it feels like seeing or what seeing his nine minute death felt like for each one of us it was honestly, it was miserable. It was, it was like, I come from a very, like, I am very weird about like my insecurities as far as not being heard and not being like listened to, like really listened to, like almost like being invisible and watching that was like the epitome of it. Like it was almost as if like there was no one actually holding the cameras. Like there was no one actually watching it, you know, like this dude, it would like nothing was heard. Like he was being ignored, he was powerless, and it it was absolutely crazy to me. Like even the person recording, it's like, yeah, there comes a point where it's like, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you, what would you do? What would anyone do? Like, you sit there and hold your phone. How do you even watch that? You know? Like it was just, it's just, it was super dark, man. It was super dark, and it was super like disheartening to see like a human being being treated by something less, being treated like something less. You know, it was. It, it, yeah, no, it sucked absolutely. like it was draining like the whole video for how long it was it was yeah, draining it was upwards of nine minutes yeah which Eight, is crazy six seconds yeah what about you jen um at first i couldn't even go i couldn't even get through the whole thing i i had to stop it it, it was something that i literally felt like my chest like my heart was breaking i, I really felt like there was a physical reaction that I had of sorrow. I felt it super deep. And the thing that broke my heart the most was when 
George called out for his oh, mom. For his mom. Oh my God. That, that and, was that was it. That's where that, that to me as a as a grown man to call out for his mother That's and then miserable. understanding that his mother had passed already. You know? It's yeah. almost like it's it was starting to signal to me that he, he knew that he was going. Yeah. Well he, he said it. He said he said they're gonna to, kill yeah. me. He said they're gonna kill me. Exactly. And and I and I remember on CNN, I think it was Chris Cuomo who interviewed the young gentleman that was recording the video and his reaction to it. And he's like, you have to understand how hard it was for me to record that and not do anything out of the out of the risk of them killing me. Killing him, yeah. Like, and that's the plight that a lot of black people have when they record that. I'm going to record it as evidence, but I can't even interject to stop them from killing another human being. It yeah, was that's like the heartless. limit. Yeah. The, like the officer was a fucking pig because the thing is he was so fucking arrogant. Sorry, I'm cursing. He was so arrogant for him to even put his hand in his pocket and this oh, is yeah. like, oh, this is just another Wednesday, you know, and yeah. just carry on not even taking any of George's calls out to him, nothing. He was yeah. just like, this is another Tuesday for me, y'all. Yeah. I do and this shit all the time. And to me, it was like that That broke me. That yeah. broke me of the lack of humanity. That broke me of the lack of compassion and empathy because there were three other officers there. Who let it happen, who let it fly. let it happen. And yeah, at one point- absolutely. I know people bleed blue, but at one point, do you pull your fellow officer off and say, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And it's also like, as like for police officers, they're supposed to be like, they're supposed to aid first. Like that's, they're supposed that's to aid their first. Job. The second he's apprehended and hurt, their job is to aid. He's supposed to be okay. You know, right. like they're supposed to make sure he's okay. So that alone, like yeah. that's, and, and that's one of the arguments that I've been bringing to a lot of people that I talk to about this and some of the uncomfortable conversations. When I talk about it, I like to talk more toward like a system and I'm like, yeah, there is a system in place because if there wasn't, then those cops wouldn't have felt like that was okay. Correct. Like yes. there was no so, panic on their face. There was yes. no freaking so, out. That's what I want to talk about. It's so like for, for, for me, it's like, what, like, what do you mean Derek? Like this man had 18 complaints. Yes. Shifted him exactly. from the police mm -hmm. to the other. Yeah, like, he should have been gone. Yeah. It was pure negligence to even keep him on the force. It's not negligence. It's more than that. So for me, oh, yeah. this is this is the thing it is for me. Like, I've dealt with police brutality. I've dealt with um, police overreach. I've dealt with police oversight. I've dealt, dealt with all of it. And I, all at the same time, working to become a member of the police force mm. so if either of you don't know my degree is in criminal justice with a minor mm. in sociology i went to school specifically so i can go and become a police officer right mm. watching what i saw in that video what i saw was someone that didn't want to get caught on video being wrong yeah this guy that was on this dude's neck, this on George Floyd's neck, this is a, it's a symptom of 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 an issue that we have nationally 
but like I like I see it all the time. I don't want to be caught being wrong, or you can't prove me wrong, or mm-hmm. I can't be seen being wrong. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm gonna double down, triple down, quadruple down on the thing that I'm doing because I'm not wrong. Yep. Regardless of whether or not I'm actually wrong, I'm taking the stance that I'm not wrong. So he was on this dude and people were asking him to get off. No, I'm not going to get off. I'm I'm not wrong. Yeah. More people started asking him to get off. No, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to put my hand in my pocket. Yep. Like the only reason you feel you can get away with that kind of nonsense is because your organization has never been held accountable for yeah. you doing those things. Exactly. It's that's, like that's if your the, organization has a cheat code, you're going to go all out. That's <laughs> you the know reality of it. That's the whole reality of it. Yeah. The only reason he felt he could do what he was doing in the moment wasn't because he himself felt a certain way. It's because the the police or the entire organization made him feel like he can do that. And the only way they can make him feel like he could do that is by letting people go or not charging people before him for doing things at the same level or worse. Yeah, there's no there's no accountability. Like there's no account- accountability and that's and that's like a weird trend to have for such a powerful, you know what I'm saying, for such a powerful occupation. You know, and like I think and I think the thing that's so crazy is like, cause I've, I've, I've spoken to many people and, and especially white people. And they've asked me like, if this has been going on for 10 years, why do you think this took on, you know, such a, such a large following? And I said, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, you can't turn your eyes away from it. Cause guess what? We're in COVID-19. Everyone's quarantined. Yeah. Right? So you have no excuse. Everyone's at home. So it's not like they're distracted from work. Everybody's watching, and what's yeah, and that, watching, and it's like during a time of like global silence. Like let's 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 call the the pandemic what it is. Like everybody is pretty much home. There was this was uncalled for. <laughs> this is the last yeah, thing we this needed was the to worst see. Worst time, yeah. To see it. We're watching the news to see when we can go outside and like whether places are going to open up and like we're all like we we felt like we're living through this pandemic together. You know, we're all like, hey, we're all inside. This is the life we live. And then this happens like that's crazy. And then part two of that is the fact that, you know, a lot of people said, well, you know, if he didn't like fight with the cops, then this wouldn't have happened. There was no argument. Zero, zero. Every angle, every angle. There was zero wrong. (laughs) That's the so that's the that's the that's the out. Right. So 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 this is the thing. If you can think about if you guys haven't think about thought about it as much as I have, I think about this shit all the time. So anytime there's one of these instances where they go, uh, where this happens and people go, they shouldn't have broken the law or whatever. All you have to do is think about the grand scheme. Think about the white kids you partied with in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Think about the parties you went to in high school. All the illegal shit you did in high school. Think about that. Oh, we all know the white boy part, white boy parties, man. We all know the difference. No, but what I'm saying is. What they're saying is all of them are saying that they should have been killed for doing the things that they did in high school. Partying, 
drinking before the 21, smoking weed, smoking whatever, popping pills, all of that shit. Yeah, they're agreeing to that. White kids that you knew that went to school with you did in high school. They should have been killed. They're agreeing that they should have been killed for the things that they did if they were caught by the police. Yep. That's all you have to say. Oh, yeah. And what's crazy too is like, just just to speak on the fact of like watching the video and stuff like that plays into the whole like how desensitized we are to it like some some people are going into this not even to watch the crime that the headline clearly says some people are we're like even me i can't even lie i went to watch it because i was like oh man let me see what white people are gonna say like he did this time let me see if he actually resisted so white people have an excuse and then it's just like yo he did nothing like and i'm like oh there's nothing they can do it was yeah, very white. There very was no, there was no struggle there was no resisting arrest nothing. there was nothing in that in that that people could argue with that people yeah. could definitely argue with he and complied and it, he could it could have been done with one cop peacefully yeah exactly uh, and, and, and the thing it, is and the thing is for me the fact that it took eight and a half plus minutes for him to die means that there was at least five minutes where you knew you were doing something that was fucked up, but it didn't matter because you knew you were going to get away with it. And the reason you knew you were going to get away with it is because you got away with it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or somebody Or even you've seen it, you just know. Yeah, you know got your organization. Away with it before. Yeah, like you know your organization gets away with it. Like if... And this is just a wild haymaker. What was that uh that pilot movie with Denzel? If he would have got away with it, then other pilots would have been like, Oh, maybe it's okay if I drive this plane drunk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that doesn't happen. He may have saved lives, he may have done all this stuff, but like, hey, you but get he fired. flew the plane drunk. <laughs> yeah, but he, that's he, it. Like like Denzel was not the hero in that movie. No. Not at no, all. Not at all. <laughs> not he at was all. the asshole in that movie. And it was one instance. Now imagine an, an entire, you know what I'm saying, an entire force just constantly getting away with situations like that. You Nationwide. Know, like it's crazy. Yeah, Nationwide. They know the loopholes. They know the loopholes. And especially there's this whole pe- there's this whole petition now calling like, you know, a petition uh, around 50A, where basically they could wipe away cops' misconduct. And that's now in question politically because there's there's a whole thing saying, yeah, we really want 50 this this law 58 to go into action. Basically means that you can wipe away any cop's misconduct. It's disgusting. And you're just like, why are you going to do that? And there's a ton of petitions that are against it. I'm telling you, like, and I've been saying this, like 2020 is basically where the universe is just like peeling back the curtain. Like y'all thought reality was great. Let me peel back the curtain and really yeah. show you what the world looks like because y'all got some shit to fix. Yeah, it's like oh, you guys what? are a little too comfortable. <laughs> you guys are too comfortable. You guys yep. are praising capitalism and money, prioritizing that over your kids and basic yep. stuff. Let me let me let me show you what the world is like because your foundation is crackling at the seams. Y'all and it's things that. that like they like, like even for example like the whole like with internet censorship and stuff being taken down and stuff not being able to get taken down. It's like bro, these are rights that you thought you were fighting for us to have and we been lost them. We didn't even know we lost them. You know, or we didn't have them, or we didn't exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, this is where people are thinking like, oh, we're losing these, and it's like, no, we never had them. For me, I always look at it as rights that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I've so I've look I look at my lifetime or my life uh, viewpoint as experiences that it's like 
I understand what we have as a black community and what we don't have. Like, I grew up in a black community while all the while at the same time going to school in a white community, you know, mm-hmm. and then holding that white community on a pedestal. You know what I'm saying? I went, I lived in Uniondale, Long Island, and I went to school in Levittown. And then when I got to high school, I went to Kellenberg, which was a plethora of a white this on Long Island. Super white. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Let's dumb it down. Super no, white. I'm man. not I'm not I'm not gonna hold I'm not gonna I, I don't I'm at the same time I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I don't appreciate the time I spent that kind of yeah, yeah, I love yeah, yeah. I, like when I went to high school, like the people I went to high school with for the most part, I appreciate who I went to high school with. I appreciate the people I met. I appreciate the people I, I learned with. I love a lot of the people that I went to school with. But it definitely made me aware of mm-hmm. what I had as a child of an immigrant that, of a child of immigrants that worked really hard for me to have what I have, mm-hmm. that other people in the same neighborhood as me, to the next house over, two houses over, did not have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, it's been instilled in us via like our own media and all that stuff. But like, what does everyone want to do as a young black kid? You you want to get out the hood. You want to make it out of your area. But like, even if your area is the suburbs, that that's how you feel. You know, you want to get out of your area because absolutely your area isn't that green grass. Like it isn't that fancy area. Like I lived in Garden City for a little bit and I was like, and this is me growing. I grew up in Elmont. Garden City wasn't far away. It was like 10 minutes away, but it felt like a whole different universe. The, the reason I live in Uniondale is because my parents bought a house in Uniondale in 1982. And in 1982, Uniondale was the highest ranking school district mm. in Long in Nassau County at the time. Wow. That's why I live in Nassau County. So I'm not going to act like, you know, Uniondale's the hood and mm-hmm. I came, my parents came into the hood because they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. No, my parents came into the hood so they can do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. was a come up. It was like, it was a come up. My parents came from, from fucking um, Hollis, Queens and, and Rosedale mm-hmm. so that they can come into Uniondale in 1982 and then turn it into something with my older brothers and sisters. Yeah. But by the time I was in school, so not the time I was born, not the time they were in school, by the time I was in school and my changed. formative years, you know, I had changed. It changed. And, and then my mom, who, who when she was in Haiti, was, was, was in line to be a nun. She was supposed to be so. You got to compound all those issues into why I went to Catholic school as a kid. Mm -hmm. Not just you know my geographic location and whatever. My mom came out when she was in Haiti. She was supposed to be a nun. She came to the U.S. and then she met my dad. My dad was you know strapping young lad, super fly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it didn't matter how many kids my dad had. My mom was just like, oh, hey, 
What's up, Mr. Charles? He was Exactly. He had them kids somewhere. You gotta have sauce. Exactly. Ain't nobody just giving kids to nobody, man. You gotta have sauce. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, my dad. I always say my dad had the craziest G in the world because my mom, <laughs> my dad had five kids that he had custody of in the '70s, wow. and my mom married him. Sauce. My sauce. dad is the is the Mac of the century. Fact. <laughs> yeah, and that's and you know what that's 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 super crazy. Like the way it was with me. Like I was born in Canada, but like my mom, you know, that was like kind of my mom just going out there for a little bit. Brought me immediately back out here. And, Montreal. Yeah, born in Montreal, and my mom immediately uh, came back yeah. here. And swollen members. <laughs> facts. <laughs> Bad child, but. You know, she she came back out here and my grandma was in Queens and we were in Queens for a little bit. And then we ended up, you know, going from there to Long Island and my mom moved a lot. Like we struggled. We were all over the place. But like each move was like, hey, let's move to this better place. And every time we went to a better place, it got more difficult. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it got it got tougher and it was to the point where it was like like and and, and no shade. Like I, I, I pretty much raised myself like the circumstances the way they were. And it was it was all over the place. Like you didn't even have time. Like my grandma worked all the time. My mom worked all the time. And then when things went south, things went south and it was really nothing anyone could do. Yeah. My grandma was in the house. So. Yeah. I mean, like I was raised, I mean, I grew up in Queens, like Cambridge Heights and you know, it was my mom who was a housewife. You grew up in Cambridge Heights? Yeah. Oh, is that you Asian? No. (laughs) (laughs) Although, Although my brother's best friend was Emmanuel. He was a prostitute. Um, shout out if he's listening. Probably not. Um, but shout out with the love. But yeah, like we grew up in Cambridge Heights on 227th Street, 114-82. Proud. Um, we had there. a house on 233rd in Hollis. Yeah, see, 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 see. But we were, it, that was like the area between like St. Albans and Cambria Heights. That was kind of like a good area for like black people, especially St. Albans. Absolutely. Oh, like, yeah. I play baseball in St. Albans. Absolutely. <laughs> I got my Ken Griffey card. I'm literally, I'm, I'm two years from growing up in Hollis, Queens. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, if a black person moved to those two areas, it's like, you made it, you know, like, you know. Yeah. It's, was one of the Jeffersons. Um, at, the, at the time, yeah, no, when, when, because we're all about the same age. I keep saying that, yeah. but at, around the time, yes, the early eighty, the early, the late eighties, early nineties, that time, coming up in Hollis, Queens, Cambria Heights, Ro- um, Rosedale, um, mm-hmm. and then Nassau County, you know, because those were the were the counties or the towns that were really close to Nassau County. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, exactly. But continue. Yeah, and I went to I went to private school. I went to St. Boniface in Elmont. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there until like fifth grade, and then we we moved to Bowen because unfortunately my my brother passed um, on our block, so we we moved to Baldwin. And when I went to St. Chris, that was like the first time ever where I was probably the one of three black people mm. in a classroom of like twenty five. And I felt really like I'm, I'm like a sore thumb sticking out here. And immediately, like, you, you think, like, okay, I'm going to gravitate to the other black people, you know, <laughs> yeah. guard, right? Your oh, whole yeah. that, that was my childhood. Because uh, yeah. you don't want nobody touching your hair and asking you weird questions, man. That's all I went through in high school. 
Right, right. And yeah. everyone was super nice, but you definitely felt like the the heaviness. Like you Yeah, you felt like you didn't belong. You felt like a science project something. Oh yeah. So that that was that was like that. But like you felt like it was like, Oh, you're unlike me and I don't want to engage with you in that way. I think you're cool, but I, I'm gonna keep my safe distance. I'm gonna practice yeah. that was the practice of social distancing. That was the <laughs> <laughs> No no that was for me. Like when I was in St. Bernard's in Levittown so I, I, my brother and I started going to school in Levittown when I was in kindergarten and he was in the first grade. No, he was in the second grade. So kindergarten, second grade, me and Cliff started going to St. Bernard's in Levittown, right? And we started going through this, you know, the rigmarole of being the one of very few black kids that go to that school. And then on because of that, the school was sending out, you know, stuff in the town that was going on. So I picked up playing football in Levittown. I like I grew up in Levittown. I lived in Uniondale, but all of my activities took place in Levittown. Mm. I played football in Levittown for five years and I dominated. I played basketball in, <laughs> in Levittown. <laughs> I played basketball in Levittown for a few years. I didn't dominate. <laughs> and I went to, and then eventually I went to high school at, in Kellenberg. But, like, when I played football in Levittown, I played for the Levittown Red Devils. And there were some <laughs> years where it was like, eh. And there was other years where I was, like, the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was only because, like, I was bigger than everybody, but after a while, my bigness became a problem, yep, and I, I didn't realize say, <laughs> I didn't big. realize that my bigness would become a problem in life. So you when intimidate I play, people. When I played football and pop Warner football, right? Being big was something, and I played until it was too much. And in life, being big didn't help me. As much as it did when it did in Levittown, Pop Warner football. Because everybody wanted me on their team when they could use me. But when it turned, when, when I became a potential criminal, yep. I was no longer a commodity. Mm. Yeah. And it's funny that you played in Levittown because if you know any history about Levittown, Absolutely. Oh yeah. Levitson's son had a Caucasians only clause in their yeah, so, so it's like the fact that he's like I feel like your ancestors were like, Yes, yes, you play on that white <laughs> and, and you know you know it's crazy. I feel like part of that comes from the fact that my mom my mom because my mom was was mainly in charge of me and Cliff being in school mm. out here out there in, in Levittown is it had to do with, you know, be her being West Indian. You know what I'm saying? My mom being Haitian, just trying to get the best for us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she don't know. She doesn't have the tools to, to differentiate, you know, acceptance and glorification. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... When I was playing ball in Levittown, it was like, you know, I was a fast, big, black, scary kid <laughs> at nine years old pl 
playing at the 11 and 12 or 12 and 13 year old level because I was bigger than all the nine and 10 year olds. But on my end of it, when I was a kid, I remember going to football games, football practice, whatever. And my brothers and sisters, because they could drive, they were the ones taking me to the games Mm. and them they can hear or they were at least at the very least paying attention to what the other parents and the other people in the stands were saying saying about about me yeah you know what i'm saying being the biggest kid on the field at nine years old i'm bigger than (laughs) i'm bigger than your 13 and 14 year old this is a great thought just picturing a nine-year-old you just monstrous compared to everybody that that was that was my childhood (laughs) what you just said johnny johnny say that again (laughs) nine-year-old you being monstrous out there on the field man bigger than everybody that's amazing i was bigger than most white parents i was bigger than most of their kids at nine years old so I remember I remember my brothers and sisters having to take me bring me home from North Babylon, Central Islip, Copec, whatever whatever team it was that was, you know, that we played that day and the parents were talking shit about number 52, number 55 mm-hmm. or number 88, which would have were my numbers when I was a kid was like yo um, you know, the, they, they don't understand that you're just big. Yeah. Don't worry about what they're saying. That My brothers and sisters have to take the role of trying to console me because they know I'm hearing what they're saying. Yeah, they don't necessarily know if you fully understand what they're, what's right. going on. Exactly. And then, they, you, you see how old we are right now? Yeah. They were younger then than we are now. Yeah. At 21, 22 years old, they got to console their brother about the nonsense that my, their brother is hearing. Yeah, which is which is wild. But it's life. Yeah, it's life, it, it is it's life, life yeah. on Long Island. Yeah, man, I, I can relate. Like, me back in the day, even now, like, when I used to go out with, like, you know, groups of my, you know, go out with the homies and stuff like that, we'd hit whatever spots popping. And we'd go to some areas and I remember it clearly. I used to always joke about like saying it began in the Guido era, like, you know, when the whole the Guido and Jersey Shore thing happened. I'm like, oh man, a bunch uh, of tough haircut. guys. Yeah. But realistically, when we'd go out, because I I've been six two damn near my whole life, I would always get challenged. Uh, yeah, I would always get challenged. And I'm like a big friendly dude. I'm like, I got good energy. I'm always trying to have a good time. But people would step to me because of they my would size assume. they, they would assume. assume like oh big tough guy oh he, he wants to fight or whatever but that's what made me i did grow up a fighter too so that was wrong on their part but it's just like that's not what i wanted to be that's not how that wasn't my intention i didn't go out to fight or anything like that and it gave me this this fight this super instinctive like fight method where i would if i felt any sort of danger i'd i would start a fight i would hit someone and be like yo we gotta go you know, just to feel safe because that's how pressured I always felt going out. Like, 
because people were just, I can feel people sizing me up. Like even till this day, like I'm, I'm out in Coram, Suffolk County. And yeah, the no, second I'm, I walk I'm, outside, there's a million eyes on me. Yeah. You don't have to tell me like <laughs> me, me and my brother Cliff, when we go places 99% of the time, we walk into a place and we're the biggest guys in the room. Yeah. And you immediately get sized up. You get stared at, you get prejudged and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. You there's had no say in do. Nothing you can do. When they call the cops, we're the Who's the ones. first part? Yo. And it happens like that. I mean, yeah. like, I'm speaking from, like, a female perspective where I definitely see through the different lens. Like, I'm tiny, I'm sure. You know, I'm usually, you know, just like, oh, she's just a black girl. Oh, yeah. But she's not like those black girls. You know, like, I don't come in. Like, I'm loud, but I'm not, like, boisterous. I'm not, like, you know, whatever the case may be. But... Um, you know, I probably, and I definitely know that I've been a victim of like that below the iceberg racism, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, you're so articulate. Oh yeah. It's the worst. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know how many times I've been told that? Oh man. I get told I talk white all the time. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, exactly. And it's like, yeah, I'm educated. So of course I, I, this is my voice. Can't, can't change it. This is my voice, right? No. And, you know, I think about, you know, because I think for, for white people, when they, they think racism as being like the in-your-face racism, right? Yeah. They, oh, think it, they think of it as so, slurs and hate so, and violence. So that, that is the next video I'm putting out. So the problem with racism is that Hollywood, Hollywood has identified what racism looks like. Right. And, and Hollywood racism, music, mainstream media. Yes, everything. So we know what racism looks like. We say so racism is the guy in the movie that's like, "Hey, nigger." Is <laughs> Django the movie? Is racism? Yes. Right. That's every every Tarantino movie. The bad guy is the racist. Yeah. So we know what racism looks like. So if it doesn't look like that, it's not racism. Yep. Correct. And yep. I always tell. And that's not true. <laughs> and I always tell people like racism is a spectrum be on the high end of the spectrum absolutely yeah there you go but let's talk about that let's talk about the spectrum that is racism oh yeah i have a great question that you know, that relates to the, the spectrum of racism yeah so you have like the blatant racism like that people call it you know white person calling the n-word to a black person oh, yeah. just out of pure anger like once once yes, they're triggered boom this is my weapon obvious, that's, that's the obvious racism yes mm -hmm. you're a nigger okay obvious right Mm -hmm. the things that fall below the iceberg it's like a 40 thing like you don't really see it it's below the iceberg and there's like the little side things i didn't know that you were so smart or articulate one or 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 i'm gonna cross the street or lock my door right quick yeah. no when i used to when i used to work in, in retail i used to get this all the time wow you speak really well yeah right the but, there, no, but then mean? there's even there's even there's even like deeper hidden ones though too that's pretty blatant but what about like me i i have locks what about the oh my god i love your hair that's right. different you cultural know the, oh that's new which one cultural appropriation like yeah. that's that's a subtle racist cohort racist thing like you know higher Yo, discrimination fact public service announcement if you are a white girl and you're going on a caribbean trip or anything like that you don't need to get those braids no, <laughs> you don't have to do that to fit it. We know it's you white. Thing. It's not, it's not a, it's not a thing in the sense of it being like, Oh, it's just an experience. You know, there's, there's the whole like tokenism, right? Oh, yeah. you're, 
the token black person or whatever yeah. the case may be. There's also, you know, there's many different things. Mass incarceration, that's covert, right? You're, oh, you're yeah. Like, well, the person did a crime. They just happened to be black. No. Also, what people are discussing right now is I don't see color. Which is, which is, which is, is, which is super ignorant, too. That's like saying all lives matter. Yeah, which is, is, which is completely burying the point. Correct. And it's, and it's interesting because, like, Oprah Magazine put this up today to, like, explain what all lives and black lives matter mean. And it was done by a white, a white girl, and I was like, that's so smart. White girl's like, oh, I'm going to this house because it's on fire. And then the other white <laughs> all girl, houses matter. Oh, but all houses matter. My house is not on fire, but shouldn't you take care of my house too? She's like, but yeah. the house down the block is on fire. Like, yeah. I need to take care of that house. That house matters because it's going through a fucking crisis. Yep. Then you have then you have the 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 toy house that's not real, and that's Blue Lives Matter. The toy house that's apparently yeah. on fire that isn't a real thing it's probably an inch long and it's not going to cause any sort of damage yes like, yes the problem that matters with the, with, see the problem with the blue lives matter argument is that there's no such thing as a blue life yeah it's a job <laughs> it's a blue job i'll take yeah. that blue, blue job yeah if, if you're gonna if, say blue if, jobs matter that's a little more correct that's different yeah. you can quit that job and <laughs> yeah pieces of it's like fetishizing right like you fetishize when you're dating someone i i've been definitely on the other side of that like you know, you're so exotic. You're, oh I'm my like, God, I know. You're so okay. cultured. Yeah. Jen, as a friend, yes. you're not that exotic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're, no, you're cute. You're cute. You're, you're really attractive as a black. You're really attractive, period. Well, At the same time. Guys, let me tell you guys a, co- a covert racist situation real quick, right? Let me tell uh, you guys. Covert. Yeah, this is covert, right? So my friend and I, both black, were in Cold Spring Harbor, like mm. a couple weeks ago. You and Easy? Who who was I with? You and E? Oh no no no, it's my friend Abdul. So uh, oh, Abdul, ah, it's my boy. Ah, yeah. Abdul is my nigga. Yo. <laughs> Abdul doesn't even know he's my nigga. Abdul is my nigga. But he is. That's all that matters. Exactly. You know what? Abdul is Johnny's nigga. Facts. <laughs> Facts. He would be so pleased to to know that. So we're like out, like just chilling on the pier, like watching the sunset. And obviously Cold Spring Harbor is a predominantly white, affluent white neighborhood. Oh, it sounds like. Cold Spring Harbor. (laughs) There's not a black word in there. Yeah. Yeah, It's not not Cold Spring Hood. No, it's not. It's not Cold Spring Cognac. (laughs) It's Cold Spring Harbor. (laughs) It's Cold Spring Harbor. Exactly. It's not even Cold Spring Harbor. No, I mean it's like Cold Spring Harbor. (laughs) Sounds polite. So we're sitting, we're sitting watching the sunset, and this this guy, he's he's probably like in his fifties, like pulls up and he's like, "Hey, do you mind if I set up my tripod because I want to take some photos of the sunset?" He wasn't like in our line of sight, we're Hmm. blocking us. We're like, "Yeah, do your thing." We, you know, whatever, right? So he's trying to pick up small talk. He's not really getting like any of like my proper airplane. Um, comments where it's like, if you're sitting next to me and I'm giving you one word answers, don't continue Go to away. engage. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, just leave it. Just leave me alone. So my friend asked, like, straight up, he was like, oh, all those group of houses across the harbor, they're they're huge. Like, what what what, what is that? Is Are those, like, buildings? And he said, oh, yeah, those are the Cold Spring Harbor Labs. 
you know, it's a world-renowned lab. They do gene testing, all that other stuff, right? And he said two things that were racist. Number one, he says, oh, yeah, and by the way, the person that owns it, super racist guy. And we're just like, oh, okay. Like, why do we need to know that? That's not a Snapple fact that I want to know. It's like, is he going to be walking around, like, taking me out? Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, it's 7 o'clock. You're in your car. You should have been like, oh, man, let me add him to my racist app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One day it'll be like, oh, you're racist. It's going to be like a scan. Like, okay. Yeah, let me add him to this. I need his information. Exactly. He's a racist. So I, I feel like he was trying to like get like black cool points. He's like, yeah, that guy's racist, but I'm definitely not racist, right? Oh, yeah. Like, all right. Very, very Long Island. Cool. Very, very Long Island. Painfully. Exactly. So then he goes on to ask, the both of us like what do we do for a living have we been affected by covid in the sense of like our jobs being furloughed or lost and i tell him i'm like oh i work for this camera brand not the one that he was shooting with and he was said uh-huh. oh you shooting, you shooting canon you no, shooting nikon <laughs> shooting nikon pew pew yeah. fuck your nikon camera fuck your nikon. <laughs> so he says he's like oh yeah i've been to that building before it's humongous He's like, yeah, the security is crazy. And I was like, yeah, you know, they're, they're very they're, they're very protective about their stuff. He's like, yeah, I remember I went to an event there and the security guard was checking all of my bags. And I responded to him saying, why are you checking my bags? I'm not black. God damn it. God. Like, Baldwin, for example, which now I think is like predominantly black in my opinion. Um, because even like if you go to the harbor, it's like there's a lot of um, abandoned homes because like everyone's like I'm out, I can't afford it. But like we we apparently won this like ten million dollar grant to like beautify the whole town, and I'm like, where did it go? Like, <laughs> like wh- where did it go? Like, like who has it? Because yeah. I don't see any beautiful. Okay, you put up new lights, cool. Yeah, they're not million dollar <laughs> lights. Yeah. They're not million dollar lights. Or it's a beautification. Like, because I'm still walking through Silver Lake Park and there's still litter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how yeah. are you beautifying anything? What new buildings are being are being created? Like I would love to see a Walmart pop up or something. Walmarts are terrible. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna tell you the Walmart on Jerusalem Ave is the Walmart for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I want a Walmart in my town. That doesn't sell guns. Can I have that? Can I live? That doesn't sell guns? You wallet. I know. I know. You Oh, man. Speaking of guns, man, when this uh, this past uh, Sunday, when I went to go drop my little man off, the gun store by me was open. It was like a pair of Jordans dropped. It was wild. Oh, crazy, right? It was intimidating. I was like, okay, like, let me get more. <laughs> like, I'm scared now. Like, But that was because there was a lot of white people there whose comfortable little bubble that they were in got challenged. <laughs> but like the reality of it is is like you know that's how gun people are yeah you know and then and then i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm only saying that as a semi-gun person because i'm like halfway <laughs> in halfway out you get it you get it you understand no, 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 I, I get both sides like yeah. guns are fucking i think guns are fucking oh, protect your house dope. i like guns yeah, protect but your house but also time, guns are cool want, they're toys I, yeah, the guns are cool, they're toys, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want like niggas that don't that are fucking crazy having guns. Yeah, I don't want people like that kid putting Yeezys in his car and scoping out his window. Like, I don't want people like that to have guns. Exactly. 
And that's that's the thing that we got to be aware of because people are not doing the proper background checks on any of these gun owners. No. Like, and and even there's some racial profiling in that too, right? Like, yeah. I I assume, and I know this happens, but obviously you're gonna give the person of color a harder time to, yep, get, a to get a gun than yeah. you do a white person, right? Which is crazy. Which is crazy, right? But then that same white person could you know, go shoot up a school or have a He could have, yeah, he could have things that were registered. He could have crimes on his record. He can have all sorts of things like that shows that maybe this person is crazy, but it's like, hey, you'll find a way to get a gun. Yeah, and it's that whole don't be menace to society concept where, you know, Marlon and Sean walk into a store and it's like, hurry up and buy. Over there stealing shit. And And the white guy, yeah. He's like, wait, you forgot this. And he was like, oh, cool. (laughs) And you're just like, what? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, it's like we're 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 committed of a crime, like premeditated crime, just for going in to buy a gun. It's like, oh, you're guilty of a crime that you know we think you're gonna go do with this gun, you know. And it's like, why is that a thing? Why is that the norm? But like, that's but that's also that's media. That's what media shows us. That's what media shows everyone. That's 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 movies. That's music. That's 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 literally everything. Honestly, I. You know me, I, I grew up in the punk scene. I'm very, very against like the government, all sorts of systems and these old systems that we were built upon. I am very, I think the image that now I think needs to go out there as much as humanly possible is the image of the old world is dying. Like the internet killed the old world. And it's time that like certain things, like certain rules, regulations, laws and stuff start to follow the new world, mm-hmm. you know? And the new world is we can't like we can't have this fake news we can't have the news having agendas we can't have we can't have like even coming down to a media standpoint we can't have record labels only pushing artists if they rap about killing people and bitches and shit like that we can't have you know facebook blocking groups if you're posting pro black things we can't have facebooks and stuff like that literally running running our world because that's that's the first that's what our kids see that's what we look at when we wake up and I think the power in numbers now is probably the best. This is probably the best time where we actually can make a change from home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I feel like that image should be that. That image should be that old world should be going. Like uh, to me personally, I'm going to get extreme with it. That old world should be dead, should be gone. Things should be erased and restarted from scratch because you you think of you think of where we live, it's built off of like very, very old, (laughs) you know, some things change, but it's built off of very old, very, very old rules and laws and standards that have been gone a long time ago. But like some people just feel like they have to hold on to it because they think that's all they know. My message is honestly, my message is be open, be open to change, but also be open to the negatives and the positives, like learn, not like be open as accept, but learn. Like, look at things from different perspectives, take different points of views, but also be realistic about them. You know what I'm saying? Be realistic. Like, if even if it's down to the point of, like, how to move forward in a situation like this or how you feel you want to help, instead of, like, looking at the whole, like, oh, man, I haven't even gone out to do something, look at what you can do. Learn about what you can do. You know what I'm saying? Learn about if you have any connects who you can reach out to. Learn about like, you know, tweet some celebrities, man. There's so many things that people can do. And it's like, don't feel less empowered because, you know, maybe you're not black or even if you are black, like don't don't feel less empowered and don't feel like you should be taking away other people's power too. Like, I mean, 
it's a very real thing too that's happening what about you chad so many things i guess because um by trade i'm a pr person so i know what lands with media and what doesn't um we've always come from the school of thought like even if you have good news to report and it's a feel-good story it's basically like if it bleeds it leads and your story could be killed i i would like to get to a place where if we're coming from a media perspective that they need to tell more black positive stories i i'm i don't want people perpetuating the stereotypes that are out there and they see looting and and rioting but they only cover people of color doing the looting and the rioting right mm -hmm. it's pushing that narrative and it's continuing to push that stereotype where it's con still conditioning people that we're still um violent and and you know you should fear us and whatever mm -hmm. they yeah on edge on you know and you should this should this should give you the reason to buy the gun because we're just going nuts and we're angry mm -hmm. um that's not the case and you know i i've seen many people like clean up i've seen many black communities come together it's like yo let's clean up our neighborhood after the riots happen mm -hmm. that happens every single morning i've seen people like you know their empty storefronts they've opened up to make sure that they're giving three meals a day to people in Minneapolis. Like, where's that yeah. story? Oh, um, even like the Nation of Islam has been doing work as far as getting people fed and doing all sorts yeah. of stuff like that and helping communities. But like, you'll never see them on CNN. No, and not at all. And I think, I think overall, white people and even some black people, it's time to do your research, educate yourself. Mm -hmm. I think we've been growing up or we have grown up with textbooks that don't give the proper look at the history, right? It's at a all. history that is comfortable and, and you know, has like that, oh, and the white guy came in and saved the whole black community. And you're just like, no, like, yeah. you know, learn about, <laughs> learn about. Black <laughs> they saved us and gave us a month. Right. The learn about black Wall Street. Learn about like yeah. uh, uh, Seneca County, which was Central Park. And I yeah. find it interesting that Seneca County, which is where, black people used to live in the city then they, yep. they got moved out of is actually the same place where two fucked up acts happen one is the exonerated five which was known yep. as park five central park five yeah and also recently with the amy cooper situation yep. where she basically said that her life was being threatened by a black man who wasn't even close to even harming her yep. um, so i find that to be ironic that the same land that we on the same ground on the same ground that was once ours now you've taken it over and then you're blaming us for the crime like it's like what are you talking about yeah. um so just educate yourselves know for a fact like i i can't come to this situation and think like change is going to happen overnight i have to be very realistic about it mm -hmm. i know that it's going to take small steps but everybody has to do their part everybody um if it's not voting it's donating if it's not donating it's it's protesting but my thing is because i know how the news cycle works eventually the protests are going to stop yeah the the, the 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 head the steam and the attention the pro the protests got it now i think i think now more than ever is the most crucial time to empower people but not like on this grand scale because everyone's already riled up and knows what's going on i think now it should be on like a community scale like people exactly. should learn in their homes in their hometowns where they live how to affect the laws that affect that little area of theirs and so on so forth if exactly. everyone can come home with that sort of information or at least a push in the right direction where to vote how to get registered what's this for your you know your town's website this that and the fifth i feel like call that your, would empower people to do something yeah, call your councilman, call them out. Yeah. 
email them. Like they are reachable. Like you, their your tax dollars go to their salary. Like they should be available to you all at you know at mm-hmm. all times because you're keeping them employed. Like yeah, exactly. You're paying them. Um, so I definitely think like it's not. This is shouldn't be just a moment. This should be a movement. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the time where it's the opportunity for everyone to become super awakened. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. I, for me, can't take any excuses from any person that's going to say, I, I don't, I don't want these seesaw supporters, meaning like you, you go up, you go down, you go up, like if it's a trend, you're with it. And yeah. Then- and that's, and that's on all fronts because I, there oh. are some black people that who are discouraged immediately after seeing a certain amount of time oh, like absolutely. by next week, they're going to be absolutely. super discouraged. Like, all right, I guess that didn't go anywhere. Like I can feel the yeah. posts now. So, and then like, be very specific, right? So I think there's mm-hmm. been a lot of big discussion, like, you know, with these protests, we're asking for a lot to happen at the same time. Like, yeah. we need to, like, break it down, like, step by step. Number yeah, one, exactly. Yo, Phil, one, that's what I hit you up about. Yeah, number one. up with, with actionable items. Actionable yeah. items yep. go step by step by step. Like, we can't fix education and fix mass incarceration and then indict the killers and then also make sure that we have public housing like yeah. all yep. of that once yeah that's, that's yeah exactly like there's got to be like a some sort of starting point and some sort of guideline and i feel like that's what's needed more than ever now like even if it's down to the point of if if there's a celebrity who is from like hempstead if he is like hey my people from hempstead on twitter whatever he's got to do do this to change how this police force or how this to get this police force defunded, you know, and piece by piece, little, little acts like that, they can go a long way because that's actually giving people the idea of a next step rather than like, all right, we're done protesting and being out in the street. You can go home now. Exactly. And like, we have, we have, we have, we have everyone's attention. Everyone's. Everyone's attention right now. Like now we need to be very specific about what changes need to occur. Mm-hmm. in a very organized way yeah and that's what needs to happen it's kind of like the protests will end now what and people get amnesia very quickly oh yeah especially in this day and age social media age is rough no yeah. one's attention span is up there right and i mean brianna taylor's killers are still walking walking you yeah. know chilling getting their dunkin donuts like oh well, you know even zimmerman's out here still being awful yeah signing skittles you know yeah. and I'm like which is crazy but yeah yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot that needs to be changed, but it needs mm-hmm. to be very organized and go yeah. one by one by one. Like what's immediate and what's like something long-term. I think, I think, it, you know what I think it is too, because this is, um, I mean, if we're going to look at the history of like America, just lo- looking at like black history here, we, yeah, we've had leaders, but like, these are still wars that we're not as experienced as up, what we're up against. Mm-hmm. you know like like even in the even in the context of like people looting and stuff like that like yeah there's people who are just that have done looting before that no looting that no even propaganda and stuff like that and like as blacks we don't out here you know that's this the is pro- that's this the is very problem. new to us so i feel like now what we need is a voice like you know what i'm saying like it's good to have all these numbers but like we need we need some sort of voice or some sort of leadership and it's very hard because like what like look at look at our heroes like they're hoopers and rappers you know what i'm saying like look at the heroes that are put in front of us so we need we need heroes we need those real like 
solid voices that can actually move and shift the crowds. And like, that's why things like this are beautiful tools that we have at our disposal, but we need people who are going to be aggressive. Like, yo, this is, these are steps we can take. This yeah. is exactly what you willing, can do. Who are willing to use these tools. Yeah. To make it visual, to make it as easy and not to be like to baby people, but to make it as digestible and also as empowering as it can be. It's no different than like a marketing, like you're not going to put out marketing that isn't going to make people hungry for food. No, you want to put out something that's going to appeal to people's hunger. That's going to, you know, make it easy for them to access, make it accessible, make it affordable. You know what I'm saying? Like something to help guide us. We need like a voice. Yeah. And, and I personally, like for me, I watched Obama's town hall and like, I was like, yes, like, this is the voice that we needed to hear. Unfortunately, he can't make much moves on a political uh, Yeah, point. yeah, exactly. Sucks. I mean, he laid out some things and he had some really great panelists. But he's not um, our voice. <laughs> not our voice right now. Like, he was our voice eight, you know, many, you know, a couple of years ago, which was great. And I feel like if he was the president right now, he would be like, all right, I got, I got, I got a plan, guys. I got yeah. a plan. He'd have, have to pressure to his whole cabinet. He'd be like, guys, you guys got to help me give the people something. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm I, not going to be in this bunker. Yeah. We have a president that literally during the worst time in our fucking history has gone into a bunker and has turned the lights off. <laughs> and basically saying. And, and is still lunch. being defended till death. Right. Yeah. Out to lunch and cursing out Twitter for fact checking. I mean, like. <laughs> oh, my God. It's ridiculous. I tell I tell people all the time. I'm like, bro, black people know Donald Trump. We've had him in hip hop. We've seen him like he's been around our whole lives. We know a lot about this guy. All right. Don't tell us. <laughs> don't tell us. He was supposed to be apprentice. Like, let's not talk. About it. He knows. I mean, yeah, we know this guy. All right. We we saw him on the original, like the Exonerated yeah. Five documentary. We saw him on the news, bad mouthing those kids. Like, we know this dude. We know he went bankrupt. We know this guy. So, uh, Jen, where can they find you? Cool. So, um, listeners, you can find me um, and my co-hosts on unprovoked underscore tangents on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Twitter at unprovoked capital T. Um, and you can also visit our website at unprovokedtangents.com. All of our episodes are on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Um, we also have a Patreon uh, where we put special, uh, unique episodes up for paid listeners as well as our website. Good. And Johnny, where can they find you? Hey, I am very easy to find. I am also a hip hopper on top of being a blogger. I rap. I do a lot of things. I'm in hardcore bands, but you can find all of my social medias at John D. Who. My website, johndwho.com, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, you name it. It's at John D. Who. And you can find my movement and my people at Not Your Mans, N-O-T-Y-A-M-A-N-Z. Also, notyourmans.com and every at, at Not Your Mans on pretty much everything. Podcast, all podcast apps and all that good stuff. So it's John D. Who, Not Your Mans. And you can find me at DJ Philly C at the hipster and homeboy.com hipster and homeboy uh podcast and djphillyc.com or philipcharlesproduction.com so we wanted to say that uh we just needed you know a little bit of a time to vent to talk about the things that are stressing us out you can reach out to any one of us at our uh socials that we gave you and you can just email the Hipster Homeboy podcast. Let us know what you're thinking about. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know what you're dealing with. Uh, I'm DJ Philly C, and uh, drinks up. <laughs> Cheers.
Cheers. Cheers, cheers.